Take your Bibles and turn with me to Psalm 56, if you will. If you're our guest today or you're watching on the live stream, Michael just said there are 2,000 people watching right now on there. So, thankful for that. Um, but on, on, normally on the third Sunday of every month, we observe the Lord's Supper. It's our practice. It's our custom. And it's a great joy to do, to come to the Lord's table and think about His sacrifice. And we want to still think about that this morning, even though we're not going to be taking the bread and taking the, the elements of the, of the Lord's table. Uh, we want to think about the fact that He came as a sacrifice. He came to redeem us. And we who are His... Every month when we come to that table, we, res- we reflect in a special way about his great gift. What greater time to think about that than in a time of, of pandemic or epidemic or fear among our nation. And I had chosen to do Psalm 56 before we had all the shutdowns and all things started happening. And, and I felt like, well, I could save it until we do the Lord's Supper in a week or two, but I, I thought I would just go ahead and do it today because it fits where we are. Just as every other passage we've had today, Psalm 27, uh, Romans 8. You got to hear Romans 8 as I hear the word this morning. You hadn't been able to do that because I've been preaching in Romans and still am in Romans. But, but here we are to, to be here together, worshiping the Lord and sharing this with, with those whom, who, who are even watching that are not here. But I want to read Psalm 56 and read along, follow along with me and and then we'll come back and think about what David is saying here. Understand, in the introduction there, it says, To the choir master, I don't usually read this, According to the dove on far-off terebinths. That's probably the tune that it was sung to. We don't know that tune or we'd sing it this morning. Don't know what that is. A mictram of David, when the Philistines seized him in Gath. Now remember where Gath was in the land of the Philistines? That was the home of Goliath. That was the place where Goliath was from. He was the hero of that town. And Saul is after David, and and so David flees, and he ends up, you know, what kind of choice do you have? Fleeing your own king, so you go to a a land of your enemy where you've killed their hero, but that's exactly what he did, and he's under siege there. And he writes this psalm. He starts out by just giving a brief description of the trouble. Hear the word of the Lord. Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me all day long, an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. That's a difficult place to be in. It's not unlike the situation we find ourselves in today. It's not a man or a woman, a human being perhaps, attacking us, but we feel attacked by fear from every direction. We're told every day there's a lot to be fearful of, so be fearful. And and David says, here I am. I'm in the midst of the enemy. I'm in the midst of a time where there is a reason to be fearful, and, and they're after me with all they've got. So what do I do? Well, he expresses a statement of faith. In, in, chat, in verse 3, he says, When I am afraid, and I am afraid, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife, and they lurk. 
They watch my steps as they have waited for my life. For their crime, they will, for, for their crime will they escape? In wrath cast down the peoples, O God. You have kept count of my tossings. You have put my tears in your bottle, and, and are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. In God, whose word I praise. In the Lord, whose word I praise. In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? Kind of a repeating of verse 4, if you will, but a little more expansion there. I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you. For you have delivered my soul from death, yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. Thanks be to God. This is the word of God. As we look at what David is saying here, I, I want you to kind of personalize that and, and, and make it corporately ours as we think about it, because we live in a day when there is things against the church. We've talked about the persecuted church. It's not just the coronavirus that is attacking from all sides. It's not just the flu that's attacking from all sides. If you go to some of the nations in the Middle East and Far East, you'll find our brothers and sisters being attacked for one reason, that they have faith in Jesus Christ. This weekend, two people were killed by radicals in the Middle East. Why? Because they confess Jesus Christ. Because they say, I will put my trust in Him. I will not fear. I will worship. I will praise. I will walk with God. I will, I will profess that and witness to that. And because of that, they lost their lives, beheaded. Churches just a few weeks ago were burned and destroyed and people killed within them. And so you hear David saying, what can man do to me? What can flesh do to me? You hear Paul saying in, in, uh, in Romans chapter 8, if the Lord is for us, who can be against us? And the obvious answer is there's a lot of things that can be against us, both man-made, both enemies, as well as understanding that there are viruses that can be against us. But the key, the key to the question is not who can be against us. The key to the question is who is for us? And if God be for us, let them come. If God be for us, let them desire to destroy us. If God be for us, we will not fear. David says, Paul says, Isaiah says. And you can go on and on throughout the Scripture. As I said earlier, 331 times, probably depending on your translation, my translation, 331 times, God's Word says, fear not. And at times they were very fearful times. I think about the, the, the shepherds on the hillside when the announcement of Christ came, that he was being born, and, and the angels appeared, and, and these weren't beautiful women with white wings. These were scary creatures. Angels instill fear when they show up on the scene. And they came to these shepherds to tell them that Christ was being born in Bethlehem and they could go and find him there. And they fell on their face in fear. And, and what, did, uh, what did the angels say to the shepherds? Fear not, for we bring you good news. Well, I'm looking at you, angel, and 
You're, a, you're like a mighty warrior. You look like something that could destroy me. You look like something I should fear. He said, fear not, because we're here to bring you good news. And I would say in the midst of a, of a pandemic, our word to our world is fear not. We have a God who saves, who saves eschatologically and who saves eternally. We have a God who gives us life and hope in the midst of whatever is going on. So we stand with David. There's a lot of things coming against us. There's a lot of, lot of things and people that would like to destroy us, but we will not fear because we have a confession of faith. That confession of faith is stated in the New Testament as Jesus is Lord. And Paul said in Romans chapter 10, we looked at it last week and the week before, if you confess, if you confess through their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your hearts that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You shall be cared for. You shall be protected both in this life and in the life to come. What a glorious truth that is. We're not the first generation or the first culture to face pandemics. Matter of fact, if you go into the Bible, you find that the people of God were always suffering with, with many sicknesses that, that they had no medical remedy or no medical vaccinations for. If you look back in the early part of our nation, people were dying from smallpox in droves. Polio killed millions. You know, and, and we, we see that is something that happens in a fallen world. Pastor Michael's been teaching on Jonathan Edwards on Sunday evenings in our grace equipping classes. Jonathan Edwards thought he was doing the prudent thing and got a smallpox vaccination, had just become the, uh, the president of Princeton. And he, he took a smallpox vaccination to protect him, and it killed him. But I think Jonathan Edwards, if he could speak to us today, would say, fear not. Took me out of this world, but took me somewhere far better. Something far better. So David says in verses 3 and 4, a strong statement of faith. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In other words, when I'm afraid, I gaze upon you. I look to you. I'm not going to just keep my focus on the problem. I'm going to put my focus where it needs to be. I put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? You know, I, I love Martin Luther the great reformer. And Martin Luther lived through a time of the Black Plague in Germany. And, and people were dying all around him. People were becoming very sick. And some of you have seen this posted. I posted it. A bunch of you commented on it or, or liked it. But uh, he gave some pastoral advice to another pastor, Johann Hess, during the midst of the Black Plague. Matter of fact, I'm just going to read a part of it, but you can read the whole article. It's on, or the whole letter to him. It's online. But this is what Luther said talking about how are we going to deal with the black plague. He said, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. We prayed for that this morning. We're going to keep praying for that. Lord, in your mercy, protect us. I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine, medicine and take it. Okay. I'm going, to, I'm going to trust God, but if, if there's medicine to take, I'm going to take it. If there's, pure, if there's wipes to be had, I'm going to wipe things down. By the way, somebody gave Pastor Ricky a big jumbo bottle of hand sanitizer just before the service, and we're going to have an auction afterwards and see if we can pay off the debt. Uh, I'm sorry. Back to Luther. I'm going to fumigate. I'm going to help purify the air. I'm going to administer medicine. I'm going to take it. 
I shall avoid places and uh, persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated and thus to perchance inflict and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, He will surely find me and I have, and I have, and ha, I have done what He has expected of me and so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. If my neighbor, I love this, if my neighbor needs me, If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely as stated above. See this is is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardedly and does not tempt God. A letter to Pastor Johann Hess in Germany. There's great counsel in that. There's great wisdom in that. You know, I'm going to do all that I can, but my trust is not in in sanitizer and washing my hands. My trust is not in wiping down all the surfaces I can wipe down. My my trust is not in walking around spraying Lysol everywhere, although I'm doing that as best I can. In Alabama last week, I went to buy some hand sanitizer because we were just starting to talk about it. I got to Publix. They had... One type of hand sanitizer, a little bitty thing about this big. It's in my car now, so I keep it. It was $5, that little thing. And they limited you to two. You know, I mean, it, it was sold out. All the wipes were sold out. Toilet paper is sold out. I'm still trying to figure that one out. <laughs> my son sent me a picture last night, a breaking news item. And you won't get this if you don't know Auburn University, but it said... Breaking news, Auburn University has been, disco- has been discovered to be the wealthiest college in the world because on wins, after they win at home, they go out in Tumor's Corner and they roll the trees with toilet paper. They had a big picture of just Tumor's Corner and everywhere else rolled in toilet paper. So they must be the wealthiest college in the world, at least in these days. I hope they saved that and recycled it. But Luther gives us good advice, but God gives us good advice in Psalm 56. When I'm afraid, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. Then he, he elaborates a little bit on the, the whole idea of the, of the problem, he gives a further expression of it in in verses 5 through 9. All day long they injure my cause and and their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps as they have waited for my life. For their crime will they escape. In wrath cast down the peoples who do all this, O God. In other words, God protect me from the enemies that want to destroy me. I love verse 8. Verse 8 said, you have kept count of my tossings. Lord, you know the struggles. You count them. You keep track of them. And all my tears, you keep in your bottle. Not in a bottle. In your bottle. You You know my hurt. You know my pain. You know my grief. And are they not in your book? 
just as a way of expressing it, God really does care. No matter what we're going through, no matter if you do get the coronavirus or don't get the coronavirus, no matter if, if, if we lose our life, He cares. For those who are in Him, it is as Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That is the ultimate of God works all things together for good for those who love Him, for those who are called according to His purpose, we saw in Romans 8. The truth, the truth of God's Word is glorious. Verses 10 and 11, he just repeats it. He says, in God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, just kind of gives it that extra emphasis, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? Nothing. Absolutely, positively nothing that has a lasting and eternal effect. So, so David says, show confidence. Not a man-made confidence, not a, some kind of worked-up confidence that just kind of says, I'm going to grin and bear it confidence. No. Show confidence in Him. Parents, the greatest thing you can give to your kids right now in this time is to show that your trust is in the Lord. The greatest thing you can show to your neighbors who are freaking out over all this is that your trust is in the Lord. They are facing the reality of their mortality. They need to know that there is an answer for their mortality. That's the immortal God in Jesus Christ, our Lord. They need to know there's hope in Christ. There's hope in Him and in Him alone. So during this time, folks, the the reality is this. We we offer and we show who our true trust is in, who we really believe in. We, We have an opportunity to show neighborly love. And Jesus said the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and might. And the second greatest commandment is like that, love your neighbor as yourself. We got a chance to show our neighbors we love them. And we want to do that as a church family. That's why we want to take up a, 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 a Karis offering today, even though we're not going to the Lord's table. We want to have that available. Some of you are hourly workers. Some of you may be laid off for periods of time, and, and you may live paycheck to paycheck. We want to help you if that's the case. And you need to let us know you need the help if that's the case. Some of you may get sick, and you may need for us to show the faith of Luther to say, if someone's sick, we'll come and minister to you. We'll come and get your groceries. And, and our deacons and our pastors are standing at ready to do whatever's necessary to help our church body, to help those who are our family. You are our family. If, if, if Carol Beth were to call me in Orlando today and say, Dad, I need you in Orlando, I'd go to Orlando. If Anna did in Austin, I'd go to Austin. If Will did in Tennessee, I'd really go there because the grandkids are there. But I'd go where my family needs me, and you would too, whether they're sick or whether they're well, whether they're hurting or whether they just want to see you. We need to be that way to one another because we're family. We need to minister to one another. 
And just because we can't gather maybe as fully as we'd like to, maybe we limit some things like Sunday night tonight and Wednesday nights for the next couple of weeks. We have these amazing things in our day that Luther didn't have. They're called telephones. And they're so, they're so portable. Do you know that you could probably meet, reach me just about any time? Except between midnight and 7. That's when it's on Do Not Disturb. But I'm told if you call me right back within 30 seconds, it'll ring through. And I still have a home phone. Man, we want to be accessible to the needs of our body. It's what we celebrate when we come together around the Lord's table, that He was accessible to us. That He came and died for us. That He is our sacrifice and He is our substitute for us. And just because we can't break the bread and drink of the cup this morning doesn't mean that's any less true any less true so let's be neighborly and show neighborly love again I I say take this time to disciple your kids in the sufficiency of Christ in the midst of trouble Let's, let's believe in what one writer called an invincible providence that, that there's not a molecule in the, in the universe and not a molecule that can enter your lungs that our Heavenly Father is not in control of. The Heidelberg Catechism defines God's providence this way, the almighty and ever-present power of God by which God upholds as with His hand heaven and earth and all creatures and so rules them that the leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and lean years, food and drink, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty, all these things in fact come to us not by chance, but by His fatherly hand. One writer said that truth is like an asthmatic inhaler to the soul. It calms us and lets us breathe again. Breathe in the spiritual air of the presence and the providence of our God. David closed this psalm by saying, and Lord, I'm going to worship. I'm going to perform my vows. I'm going to do what I promised to do. I'm going to worship you, O Lord. I will render thank offerings to you. Let's think about the Karis offering today, as long with our regular offering, as a thank offering, a thanksgiving offering to God. For you have delivered my soul from death. Yeah, my feet, yes, my feet from falling. Why? That I may hide and not minister and not care and not worship? No, that I may walk before God in the light of life. When Jesus said, I'm the light of the world, and then he said, you are salt and light, reflecting his light to the world. We've got that opportunity right now, like we've never had before. Will we be salt? Will we be light? Or will we be like the world? 
we fail to show Christ's heart, Christ's love, Christ's grace, Christ's mercy in order to protect ourselves? We will we be faithful to the call that he has given us? That's the question. We all have to ask ourselves. Let's pray together. Father, we have sung this morning of love divine, all love's excelling. We have sung amazing grace and thought about the fact that because of that grace, our chains are gone. We're freed from sin and death. We've sung about standing amazed in your presence. That is to stand before you and say, wow, what an awesome God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. What a glorious, grace-filled God we serve. Father, for that we're thankful. We've sung about you being our dwelling place. Because you are. And Lord, now we're going to sing about God of grace. Lord, remind us of your grace. Strengthen us in your grace. we may walk with you in a land of fear and fear not. Thank you, Father. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.